Hello, hello. Welcome to B2B Craftworks, a podcast about business writing. This is Sarah Griesenbach, founder of the B2B Writing Institute, and this is our Friday update for Friday, July 8th. Let me tell you what, this week was different. I am one of those extremely lucky moms who has parents who are still able and interested in caring for the children every once in a while. So over the holiday weekend for the 4th of July, my parents took both of our kids away from our house from Friday morning until we went and picked them up Monday afternoon. And let me tell you, I returned a changed person. It was like the stars aligned, and not only did two introverts regain the full use of their own clean house for the first time in years, if not more than a single year, but I actually also took off Monday and Friday from work, which, again, has not happened in years. I think we did the math. And the last time we would have been away from the kids for that long was when I was pregnant with the second one more than three years ago. So it gave me everything I needed. It gave me a lot of time and space to think and just expand to fill in our space a little bit. And what I kept thinking when it comes to taking off time from work is that every time I try to do that, I just get really worried I won't be able to start again. And that came up a lot as I was writing back and forth with different freelancers around the world. But we think if we work for ourselves, then we'll be able to have the work-life balance we want. We won't check email. We won't have a boss breathing down our neck. But I'm starting to think the problem is us. And we just, we're going to take that with us anywhere we go. I'm actually starting to think work-life balance is possible in literally any job. Now, of course, I don't have your job, so take it with a grain of salt. But when I look back on the things that caused overwork in me when I was a traditional employee, I could have set boundaries on all of that. I could have said no. I could have decided what was good enough and let it go there. If you are in a full-time role and thinking freelancing is going to solve your problems, maybe just see which of your problems you can solve right now by saying no and putting limits on, on what you're putting into your work. I know there's always going to be things that we can't control but we also can control a lot more than we think we can. And it ends up being the same battle when you work for someone else as when you work for yourself, because saying no hurts. Saying no feels like you're losing something. But once you trust someone enough and start saying no and letting yourself put limits on what you're contributing to your work life, it feels like freedom. And lately for me, I still don't like that freedom. I would rather be working than doing almost anything else except reading a book with my Theragun in bed. But I need to learn how to have fun again before it's too late and before I've let all this fun pass me by. So I am very committed to doing that. And again, that overlaps with a theme. It seems like all my content comes with a theme throughout the months. And that is the most recent newsletter I sent out, which is that optimism is sabotage. And I was thinking through this because I feel like I was trained to be an optimist my whole life of, how much you can do and how much time you have and make the most of it. Memento Mori, Carpe Diem, all this cool stuff. And the more I looked at what I was actually doing, I was being really optimistic about how much time I had. I didn't have that much time and how fast I could do things. I've actually been really slow lately. 
the results that'll come from what I do. It actually takes a lot of work over a long period of time to change anything. So overestimating those results led to a lot of frustration. And so I found I was being literally too optimistic about how much I can do. And that was leaving me constantly disappointed. And this is still going on. I think optimism is really important for some things like the big picture and being resilient when it feels like the world is on fire. But when it comes to our time and what we can actually get done for our work and our business, we actually need to be a little more pessimistic. For anybody balancing a lot of things in life, how much time do you actually have? We're doing a webinar on freelancing with kids, but Sarah K. Peck's portion on evaluating how much time you have in your calendar, I think that's a really important exercise for anybody, let alone if you have kids. Because when you look at a 40-hour work week, what we found is that you really only have 26 hours or 30 hours of actual focused work time. So when we think we have 40 hours and then we're disappointed by what we create, it can really help to understand how much time you actually have. Same for rest, same for getting distracted by kids or a spouse or parents. Over the last few weeks, when I've been really leaning into this, I find that when I'm more pessimistic about what I can get done, when I shrink my to-do list, when I actually just pick three things out of the 10 that need to happen for the day, I actually get more done and I feel better about what I do. Uh, it feels like it goes against everything I've believed about work for more than 20 years. It feels really strange to plan less for a day, let alone to be satisfied with that. I feel like a slacker, but I'm a couple weeks in. I can tell you the tension is going away. My kids are happier. I'm spending more time at home. I can just see that this is working. And speaking of working, it's always on my mind how to sell more of the Moonshot Machine, the program that just brings together all of my experience freelancing and lets people learn from that and train from that. And what's been on my mind lately that I've been talking over with my coach is how hard it is to message around something that people actually care about. Because the feedback I get from freelancers is how much everybody wants to focus on earning more, making more money, having better clients. It's just very money focused, which is wonderful and an important thing for freelancers. That's the business we're trying to wreck. But whenever I try to have messaging around money, like buy this because it will help you make more money, it feels so shady. And that's what I don't like about the other programs when I see when they lead with money. It just, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. And I think that's why we have so many coaches and writing programs with sales pages that are like, live your dream life at the beach and make millions. And that's because it works. I wish I could email everybody back and tell them that there is no secret to doing that because there's no way to decide to be a writer and then suddenly wake up with $5,000 worth of work in your lap. What really happens is that you try a little and you build a little and you try a little more and then you build on that. You have to go, you have to go through zero through 5,000, which is 1,000, 2,000, three. <laughs> it has to build over time. And that's the only way to do it that doesn't involve a full-time job or a content mill that sells you out and burns you out. Ironically, this is also why those other programs sell way better than mine and they build really successful businesses because they're willing to say that stuff. So I'm trying to find a way to talk about the money that feels really authentic. And the closest I got this week was develop skills that pay the bills or writing skills that pay the bills. We're going to try that on the landing page for a little while. 
And that's just really true to what I do, because I realized a lot of the people that resonate with my work most are established professionals in some kind of field. So they have some work experience somewhere and they want to change careers into writing. And the B2B just happens to be the most effective, the most valuable, the most interesting way to do that. And so learning those skills, they mix that with their past professional experience, whether that was teaching or nursing or banking, all of these really cool fields. And then they just ramp up with the freelance side of things really quickly, ramp up with the marketing side of things, and they have that writing lifestyle that they want. So I'm working on it. But along with that optimism thing, I've been able to be more pessimistic about this, which ironically has made me feel a lot happier. So everything's just kind of weird. A line this week was spent planning up the events coming up. So next week we'll have a free open webinar, global open webinar about freelancing with young kids underfoot. I've already interviewed one of the guests because we had some creative calendar constraints and it was about creative calendar ideas that works for anyone. And this is for mainly parents, but pandemic rules, I think everybody is juggling chaos. And so some of these ideas that we talked about is really just about balancing work and life when you do both at home. So I highly encourage anybody to subscribe for that. Then we're going to have member office hours on the 19th, which is like a small coaching session for people who are already in the bootstrap machine. Then a training on the 26th that's going to focus on stress-free editorial processes. And I think that's a, another really important key to delivering high volumes of really good work as a freelancer. You have to balance multiple projects at a time. And if you don't have an established process, almost like buckets of where to put that work, it's going to feel really chaotic the whole time. So I can tell you right now what those parts are. And in that session, we go really deep into it. But for every project that I do, whether it's short, long, infographic, webinar, white paper, all of them, it has these five parts. I do a kickoff call. We establish expectations. We get everybody who's going to be involved in the process on that call to talk about it. If they can't make that call, they don't need to review the final product. Then based on that call, I create an outline saying, these are the ideas I think we're going to cover. They approve that outline. Then we get into the subject matter interviews of anybody that needs to contribute to the topic. Then we get into a first draft where I bring all that together and then a final draft where it is reviewed, approved, and then put into design with someone else. All of these ideas build on each other. So if you skip a step early on, I can guarantee you that every step after that is going to be more difficult, have more feedback, and just generally slow you down and cost you money. I'm also setting up the events for August. On August 9th, we're going to have a webinar about client experience. So when you're a freelance writer, how do you build an experience that shows people you're the professional, you're the partner, you're the consultant, and you're walking them through this writing process? It's a beautiful thing. Then we will have office hours on the 23rd. Again, that's like mini coaching, just me with maybe 10 to 15 people answering questions about freelancing and B2B and looking at examples of things. And then on the 30th, we're going to do perfect SME interviews, which is SME, subject matter expert interviews. I would estimate, I think I've actually done a thousand of these at this point, because truly for the past 10 years, I've done at least five if not 10 per month for 10 years. So let me run the math on that. Okay, I ran the quick math and 
conservatively, I would estimate I've done almost 2,000 subject matter expert interviews. So over the past eight years, I've been doing this for 10 years, about 50 weeks per year, I would do four to five interviews a week. I feel confident saying that. And it's interesting because what started as something that felt awkward and there was a spotlight on me ended up being something that feels like I'm shining the spotlight on someone and something that they're interested in. So my confidence level, my ability to direct a call and really get what I need out of it is just completely changed. I'm going to share all that information in that training. And part of what I love about trainings is it really makes me reflect on how far I've come as a consultant and a partner to the people I work with. Because when I first started this, I my comfort zone was headphones and a keyboard. I wanted to be very well hidden in the back and just get a PayPal payment every once in a while. This was really what I was after. And I really tried to avoid interacting with people, let alone trying to work alongside them or help them do anything besides get the content that they paid for. And looking back, I can see this was actually personality stuff and personal development stuff that I needed to work through. I feel like I was wearing myself like a sock, which sounds really strange, but it was like there was this core inner me and then this smushy fabric of work serum that I would just shrug on during work hours. I would hope no one found me or could get a grip on me inside that sock. And I think over the years, the more I leaned into freelancing and being a real business owner and letting myself care and be cared about by clients, I feel like that was a fire that burned that sock off. And now I'm just Sarah and I grew into it and it's just me. There's no veil between the work that I do with freelancers and the work that I do with clients and myself. It's just me the whole time, which is it's really satisfying to reflect on that. And now I know clients work with me, not just because of strong processes and strong writing. Obviously, that's really important. And I worked hard to develop those skills, but they stay with me because they like me. They like Sarah. And I've made room for that. And that doesn't make me uncomfortable anymore. I think that made me, that would have made me very uncomfortable even five years ago. So when they say freelancing is a personal development journey, think that's because becoming a business person requires personal development. You have to work through some of these things that feel uncomfortable that maybe don't need to feel as uncomfortable as they are. And I wonder if that was always true. I wonder if that is just what's necessary now because the marketplace is so saturated and trust is so important that being yourself and being someone people want to work with and that they look forward to seeing your email in their inbox when you check in on a project. I think that's just a lot more important now. But I don't know. I also didn't have a business 12 years ago. So maybe it's the same amount of importance. So that is all for our update this week. I am just really reflecting on trying to lower my expectations in a healthy way, not a resentful and belligerent way, as I supposed a year ago, but to look at what is actually reasonable, what is necessary, and then what can I do to have an actual life outside of the time that I'm dedicating to working and doing content for clients. And I think you've seen all the movies, what's coming. When we have a better personal life, when we're taking more time to rest and recharge, we're going to come in and be better at the work we do. So it's almost like it ends up being this mindset thing and this mindset trap to think that I just need to hustle myself into being better at what I do. That was not working for me. I don't know anybody that works for. In fact, I think most people are crashing and burning right now because we were trying to power through everything that's happened in the past two or three years. 
when what we really need to do is make sound financial decisions. When what we really need to do is rest and take care of ourselves and have very clear recovery time and then very clear concentrated work time. And even the more I think about this as a high performance sport, the better I get at taking very clear rest and recovery time and then trying to be on when I'm on and off when I'm off. So thanks for tuning in for this Friday update. I hope to come back with you next week as I reallocate my energy from social media and stuff that was having me spiral into longer form things like this that just really make me feel good to reach out and connect with you. If you have any feedback or just want to let me know you're listening, you can send me a message at hello at b2bwritinginstitute.com. Bye.